0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: <laughs> What's it going to be like in November? What's it going to be like if Joe Biden wins What's it going to be like? What's it going to be like if Donald Trump wins? I mean, at this point, Trump is way down, and things aren't looking good. But in twenty sixteen, at this point, it was also impossible. There was no way it was going to happen. But if if Biden wins, then the biggest threat, and I don't, I don't think that Joe Biden's the end of the world or anything like that. But the the problem is that all of this great unraveling that's happening trademark commentary magazine, um, is that they're going to push the Biden administration around because many in, in on the left and undoubtedly people in his administration and in government positions and influencers who will be buzzing around the Beltway are susceptible, have bought in, subscribed to this whole intersectional, you know, revolution uh, in this this Marxist uh, march. And so they speak that language. And so if you say to a good Democrat, hey, you need to listen to me because you have privilege and the president has privilege and I have extra currency because I'm this identity and this identity and this identity, then a good Democrat has to say, oh, okay, oh, no problem at all. You know, if you say that kind of thing to... Sebastian Gorka, he's going to tell you to go to hell, or Stephen Miller, or somebody in the Trump administration, because they don't play that game. They don't believe in that stuff. And that, that is a good thing, because this is about nothing more than the this, this silly Jacobin des- destruction game that's happening right now is unproductive. It's toxic. It's hurting the country. And ideally, it's something that can be reversed and cast off. But who knows? And you got to think how how did we get here? I think we got here. You always had Marxists and and folks um, who you've always had Marxists and and people who are revolutionaries and learned from academia to hate the country, to be intersectional uh, victims and fighters in this revolution, so to speak. So those were always there, but. Also, you had progressives in this country who had everything wrapped up in Hillary Clinton, in identity politics, is everything, and this was their chance to have the first woman president, and t- she had a great resume, as far as they're concerned, she had a great resume, not, not as far as I'm concerned, a long resume of you know, bad years of service to me is not a great resume. But so she she had everything and all of everything was resting on her, and she was killing Trump and he was so gauche and vile and 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 um and distasteful that oh great she was going to smite him down. And leading up into the election, they were making jokes. They knew they knew that 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 Trump had no chance in the world, and they knew they knew that their person was going to win. And there was no doubt. I remember being somebody who at that point had been public about supporting Trump or that I was going to vote for him at that point. And people are just dancing on my grave and especially even during election day before the night, you know, saying uh, good luck. You know, I mean, this is going to be historic loss for you. and And it was all over the news and people were laughing at Trump and Trump's and Trump voters the, all the deplorable stuff. And, you know, they were stupid voters and ill-conceived. And, and the, the Republican Party was going to have to pick the pieces up after this because it was going to be the worst thing in the world for them. And they knew they were so arrogant and so cocky and then so invested. In f- that evening, as that evening of the election evening happened, you know, we've all been there, it happened, all of us, um, you know, we kind of rode this thing together. For me, it was just disbelief saying, okay, she still hasn't won. She still hasn't won. I, I was sure she'd win in Florida, and I was just waiting saying, she still hasn't won. It's 8, 9, 10 o'clock. She still hasn't won. And uh, eventually, it just, you had this feeling that the more she still hadn't locked it up, the more this game was over. It kind of reminded me of the Patriots, in years, some years when they've won the Super Bowl, let's say, like even at the Atlanta game where they beat the Falcons, were up twenty eight to three. The more the Falcons hadn't put them away, the more the writing was on the wall. The more it looked inevitable, and the more Hillary what didn't win that night, the more you you just saw it and said, "Wow, something's happening here." If she hasn't won yet, this ain't her night, and the unbelievable is going to happen. And it was unbelievable that it happened. And It was an incredible night, and people were up, heartbroken, damaged from that evening. And I've—I'm usually on the losing end of uh, of elections. My guy usually never wins, or uh, you know. So you know, I was—I was disappointed. I voted for Perot the first time, and then Dole the second time, and the, the, both of those guys lost. Um, I did vote for George W. Bush. He wasn't my favorite guy. But uh, So he won, then uh, I voted for McCain, and he lost. And, and I also live in Massachusetts, so most elections, and, and I have f- friends and family who have been in politics, they always get crushed. So election night is a crushing night. So I know it hurts, but this country was not—they they had already had the reality in their head that Hillary had won. So this, to them, was a, almost a—they were victims of a, of a crime. This was a damaging— uh, rejiggering of their reality because they had already had her as president so it was unbelievable election night the business insider sent somebody down with a microphone to clinton headquarters as the reality set in that it wasn't going to happen and you can just hear just a few voices of those people you know having the unthinkable happen to them. So I, I have a little sister, she's 12, so she's a young Latina woman, girl, and this is the first president that she will really grow up, like, this is like how, this is what her concept of a president will be framed as. Like,
3: a racist, xenophobe, misogynist,
1: just... Just like they taught him to say, you know, all those things. I.S.T., Trump, racist, xenophobic, misogynist. In the White House. By the way, um, there was a bit of a misogynist in the White House uh, who was married to the person who you're celebrating or intended to celebrate that night. She knows this. She's 12. She knows better. She knows better. Being
0: a woman, I think it's a real um, knock for women. I think in America we talk... We like to tell other countries that they need women's empowerment and gender equality and all these things, but we look to our own selves and we see we don't have equal pay. Um, <laughs> we've never had, <laughs> obviously, a female president, um, head of state.
1: Uh, it's hard for me to let these things go. Uh, you know, equal pay. Uh, right, and they didn't have equal pay in in the um, previous uh, administration either. Um, well, well, actually, in the administration that was... I'm sorry, i got somebody's asking if my Twitter got uh, shut down. I don't think so. But, um, you know, the, the the Obama administration never managed to pay women as much as men in their own administration. You know, so this idea that you were far away from equal pay ever happening because Hillary didn't win... Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's not a thing. And also, women essentially get paid as much as men uh, generally. The pay gap is because of the types of jobs that men... Uh, t- choose to take uh versus women and maybe that'll close maybe it won't close but it's it's a farcical thing so what
0: are we saying to other people and other nations when we don't even really get it right here
3: i didn't even think that he was gonna win his like a primary and um just the fact that like he's winning over an experienced politician is mind-blowing and i don't know what's going on
1: it's mind blowing, and I don't know what's going on. Else
0: is happening, but he's it up. is. This is so unreal. Like I just can't think of think of it at all. Like
1: I just can't think of a, waking up to a Trump president. You know, it's just because he's publicly been such a misogynist, a bigot, a racist, a narcissist person. That second word was bigot. She, which is bigot to you and me, and you know the the woman who said it's unthinkable. I can't believe it. It's unthinkable. I can't believe it. Well, it never had a chance to have that reality set in. Never had a chance. Because the media, who we're going to talk about in a moment, was right there to sweep in. To say, no, 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 no. You don't have to accept this. You don't have to search within yourself and take a look around the country to figure out why. Why this person, why anybody would vote for him. No, you don't have to do that. Because we'll tell you, it was Russia. Russia gave it to him. It's not real. Of course, the celebrities, um, as you know, and these are influential people, unfortunately, to a lot of people in the country, uh, the celebrities did not take it well either.
0: I don't think I'm going to sit down, actually. I don't think I could sit down right now.
1: A stunned Stephen
0: Colbert reacts during his live election coverage last night as the results start to swing in Trump's favor. How did our politics get so poisonous? I still
2: think
0: (laughs) that in her lifetime she deserves to be
1: the first female president.
2: And that's what makes me so sad.
0: Miley Cyrus uploads that grief-stricken video while Lady Gaga posts a picture of her protesting with the caption, I want to live in a country of kindness. Katy Perry goes off in a series of enraged tweets saying, the revolution is coming. Snoop Dogg shares a picture of Toronto's skyline calling it his new home and asks Drake to give him the hookup on some property. Practically all of Hollywood
1: Always go to Drake when you need a real estate hookup
0: Wood has something to say on social media about last night's results And the overwhelming majority of it is negative What are your thoughts on the fact that Trump has been elected as president? I went to bed expecting that uh, Hillary would win, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I woke up in the morning, went on Twitter, and I couldn't find any tweets saying she'd won. I thought, yeah. what is going on here? And then I oh, said, no. the number
1: one trending topic That's is Dan winning.
0: The news comes as a shock to Canadian singer Dan Tlefsky and several other no left-leaning Drake? celebrities who stood by Clinton's side throughout the campaign.
2: You must vote Katy Perry. for Hillary Clinton tonight!
0: From Katy Perry to Lady Gaga, Madonna, and Beyonce, Hillary had the most powerful entertainers in the world in her corner. Every time that Hillary paraded one of her rich and famous celebrities, it played right into Trump's hands. It allowed him to feed to the average American voter that that rich establishment was the reason why they didn't have a job, they didn't have a prospect, they didn't have a livelihood, why they needed real change.
1: Ding, 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 ding. But the celebrities couldn't take it. So if you're a a good-hearted... Liberal, and your heart is broken, and all of your dreams are dashed, and you would see the first woman up there because for some reason that means anything. The first anything doesn't mean anything, but if that's you were taught that 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 it does, and you're that insecure that you know that that you'll gobble that stuff up, um, and then the news tells you on one side no don't worry about it it wasn't it wasn't a real election it was a russian the russians did it using facebook and cambridge analytics and collusion and all this stuff then you never have to reckon with with the loss then you have all the celebrities over there and there's some of the people some people unfortunately think that the celebrities are smart and they know things and they have special uh, they have special um you know insight and the celebrities are all having a Uh, panic attacks, and on SNL, the cast cries and sings, and they stopped doing SNL, they stopped doing comedy on SNL so they could mourn, mourn their candidate. So those people have never had a chance to come to terms, largely, with what happened, in why Trump was elected. That man, with that accent, with that hair, with the crude stuff he says with the big gold houses and gold toilets and, you know, all this all the stuff about Trump that they find so vile that makes him so upset. Never had a chance. Never. They only said Russian collusion and Hillary herself said in sexism. There you go. it's another one. It's nothing about her, right? It's nothing about the fact that Trump talked about jobs and people in the country were sick of not being able to attain a, a, the American dream or at least even have a shot at it. A lot of people have been wiped out from the 2008 uh, crash. You know, in in communities, you know, drugs are tearing these communities apart. And for there are many Americans, you know, not not who went to the fire festival, but Americans who work for a living, who drive trucks, do construction, work in factories, they just want a job. They want to make a living. And in a lot of places and corners of this country, those the unemployment rate shot through the roof, factories closed, jobs were scarce, it it can break up families, it leads to a lot of time to despair, and people in these poorer towns where there used to be factories with robust business going through the center of town, all these businesses are shuttered, you know, all the media ever had to say about those people who just wanted to change because they're sick of, of Washington, D.C., products of Washington, D.C., choosing their future for them. Washington, D.C., that never has a recession, never has a depression. Everything's all re- always a-okay in Washington, D.C. They were sick of those, those people, Beltway people, and they said, I want somebody different. Somebody who at least has hired and fired people. Somebody who at least has made a payroll. Somebody who's not from Washington, D.C., and, you, you, and they know the people know these stories that people go into Congress, you know, broke and come out rich. And so they rolled the dice and they said, okay, I'm going to go for this cr- crazy guy with the hair because he's somebody else. And that way it's also saying to hell with you, DC, for treating us like third class citizens all this time. So they vote for Trump and the media then says, oh my goodness these people these angry white voters in t- poor towns voted for Trump because they noticed that the convenience store is now run by a person who looks different than them who maybe is darker than them and they're afraid of that they want to go back to a white war. the media arrogant media totally mislabeling these people misrepresenting them these people disgusting so the the you know so they've added to this it's a false reality that's been created by entire industries, by the, the, by the media, by politicians on the left, because they're just opportunistic. People still, do, three years for Trump-Russia, and most of the people in the media, or many of the people in the media, knew there was nothing to it. There was nothing to it. The freaking Mueller report has nothing in it. You know, it has weird backroom reactions to in the investigation but they were looking for collusion. They never got it. Cares if Trump asked Lewandowski to fire Jeff Sessions or whatever it was. The other stuff is just soap opera crap. There's nothing nothing to it. And it was crazy, and they've been acting terrible since Election Day. They've been behaving horribly. All you have to do is go on Twitter and just see. People have lost their minds, and they've never, they've never been able to land the mental health plane. It's still circling up in the air, circling up in the air, because they've never had to reckon with it because... The media is a big, big part of it because the media, as we found out with Barry Weiss and all the stuff going on right now, the media are cheerleaders and they are all invested and they are activists. I want to play something from, this illustrates that. So you've seen how the media has treated Donald Trump. It is an absolute firefight. It always has been. The moment he declared as a Republican and then started to beat people in the field they were always just taking shots at him completely it's a very contentious it's a very uh a negative a negative uh interaction that they always have with him listen to this this is matt Taibbi. he's on he uh, he's actually abandoned the legacy media probably for reasons like this but this is for him in 2018 talking to joe rogan and he just recounts um in experience he had on the press plane so usually when the candidate uh, has his official plane then the press is, g- is given an area in the back to hang out and you know eat potato chips as they hop around the country making uh, stops and um and had some insight into what that looked like in in 2008 when obama was the nominee
3: it's a kind of a separation of church and state thing for me like i I had an experience when i when i covered the uh, obama campaign and i liked barack obama as a candidate in 2008 I, i i was really impressed by him but i remember going into the plane the first time going back into the press section and i see that there's photos all over the walls of the of the campaign plane and apparently there's a tradition where each of the reporters had like a little sort of high school yearbook photo taken with the candidate where you know they got their arm around uh, Obama and they're posing and it was a tradition to kind of put the the photo up on the wall. Can you imagine that?
1: Can I get your picture, miss a picture Mr. Senator Obama for so we can put it up on the wall here with all the other photos. We love you, Mr. Obama, Senator Obama. We love you. Can we get a picture with you? Mom, Dad, I got a picture with Senator Obama, who I'm covering in disseminating information uh, about uh, for the American people, ostensibly. Can you imagine?
3: Uh, And I'm like, you know, this is not a good look for for the press corps. Even if you like the guy, you got to... You know, at least pretend to have a little bit of that. The mode is supposed to be there.
1: I love Taibbi's. At least pretend. <laughs> at least pretend. That's where we are now.
3: You know what I mean? What's well, the is is certainly influential. Yeah. It's certainly going to have some sort of an influence on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a bad look. Like what happens if you do a story about the guy that's complimentary and it comes out that, you know, you're you're. You've put a, a picture of yourself with your arm around the guy. You know what I mean? that it's just that's reporters are kind of supposed to be these unpleasant, uh, you know, kind of grumpy people who instantly deface the posters of, you know, powerful people, uh, you know, whenever they get a chance and throw darts at pictures of them and stuff like that. Like that, that's who they kind of used to be.
1: Well, they, st- they still are when it comes to Trump. I can tell you that. But that's how it was, and they're all in, and it's, it's as Taibi says, it's a newer phenomenon, starting with Obama, and I assume that that, that Bill Clinton probably had some of this as, as well. And then 2012, and then 2016 uh, comes by. 2012 is the same thing. 2016 comes by. 2012, of course, is when a member of the media, uh, Candy Crowley, actually interceded in the debate on behalf of Barack Obama to slap away a successful attack Mitt Romney was leveling on uh, the the president. Slapped it away and said, no, no, actually the president did say uh, call it a terrorist attack, which he didn't. And then uh, Barack Obama said, Candy, repeat that. And she repeated it. What a moment. Uh, But okay, so then 2016 comes along and everybody's hope, you you heard those women before saying, saying, I have a daughter, and I would want to tell her that that that, that you, the first woman president, this and that. And well, Hillary Clinton's press plane. She goes back and says hi to everybody. Listen to the tone. Remember what a, what what Trump gets from the press. Listen to the tone of the press with Hillary.
0: Hey guys, hi, hi. hi. welcome hi. to our big plane. <laughs>
1: it's so <laughs> exciting. What do you think? I think it's pretty cool, don't you? You're supposed nice. to say yes. <laughs> Hear them laughing? Ha, 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 ha. Yes, yeah, Secretary Clinton. No, this is so. Could we get a picture with you for the wall? <laughs> Are you glad to have all of you. watch the camera. I am so happy to have all
2: of
0: you with me. <laughs> have you missed us? I've been just
1: waiting. <laughs> Hear that, the reporters say. Have you missed us? moment
0: <laughs> and i'm thr- no really and I'll, and I'll come back talk to you more formally but i wanted to welcome you on to the plane how was your labor day weekend
1: that's a great question how was your labor day weekend it was
0: good it was really good yeah we had a, a good time the last
1: moment of oh mark I recognize your hat. How are you? I'm glad you're here. Good. Yes. Well, actually, yeah, it's a new hat. I just got it at Macy's. Thank you for noticing. No further questions. Yeah. Last moment before the mad dash the next two months. So I hope you guys are ready. And uh, are you ready?
0: I'm ready.
1: Yeah, we're all ready. My goodness. Once she does get a question, I actually went through a bunch of uh, these press things when she goes to the back of the plane. She does get a question. After the first debate with Trump, she's asked a question. Were you surprised by the tone of the debate and some of of the people Trump invited? Were you surprised by the tone of the debate and some of the people Trump invited? You know, in other words, I think this is when he brought uh, women who had been uh, mauled or had been with Bill Clinton designed to embarrass him. So the question is, it's a freestanding. Just fill in the blank, Mrs. Clinton. Well, I'll tee it up for you. Just talk about the tone, which means evil Trump's tone, obviously, and then the tastelessness of the of the women. Were you surprised by that fact?
0: Nothing surprises me about him, um, really, Dan. I I was surprised by the absolute avalanche of falsehoods. I mean, I, I really find it almost unimaginable that someone can stand and. Just tell, you know, a falsehood after a falsehood. And, you know, do you all remember PolitiFact said that he yes, was the most uh, untruthful the most candidate they yes. ever evaluated? We and remember. we sort of did the numbers. I think they said he was like 70 percent untruthful. Oh, and so I think that, he exceeded man. that percentage tonight. How did President so, anyway, to thank answer. you, guys. we going back in a few minutes. I'll send you my two sturdy. Robbie, you happy? <laughs> yeah,
1: we're happy, Robbie. That's Robbie Mook, the flack behind it. Yeah, but was President Clinton, how did he feel about it? How did you feel? What was the tone like? Were you surprised that Trump was that much of a piece of crap up there, Madam Secretary? It's just incredible. It's just incredible. But that's it. I mean, in so those people were all in. And when Hillary lost, no, those, those reporters were not going to. We're not. That's the last thing I remember about, about Election Day. Uh, it was Katie Turr just yelling at voters at Trump headquarters, just saying, I hope you remember what you did by voting with this man. And this is the man who said this. This is the man who said this. Yelling at you. Yelling at you. She was upset at you. They needed in their hearts, they loved Hillary. They were activists for Hillary. They were evangelists for Hillary. And then the Russians and Trump and sexism and misogyny and uh, racism. All those forces cheated her out of the election. He didn't, she didn't lose the election. She didn't do anything wrong. Your behavior, your, it wasn't you and your arrogant behavior that drove some people away from democratic circles. No, it could never have been you. could never have been the fact that the middle of the country was overlooked because they're stupid, fat Walmart people. No, it's everybody else's fault but yours. It's not the candidate's fault. It's not your arrogance. It's not that... You're from Brooklyn, and you hang out with these people, and you can't imagine that somebody who doesn't have a degree from Columbia is worth nearly as much as somebody who does, like you and all your cool friends. You know, never, never have to have the reckoning. So now these people are still hysterical, still upset, and they're doing whatever they can to take this this candidate down. Not that he's helping himself this year. And the media is still. I mean, we, we talk about it every day. Now that now they've overthrown the people at the New York Times and uh, Barry Weiss is gone and uh, Andrew Sullivan gone and Taibbi is is left. I mean, there's been firings and all sorts of things because now these the all of the forces and the hysterical people who always hate Trump, of course, are playing up the coronavirus in any possible way they can. And so we'll see what happens if Joe Biden. If Donald Trump wins, I don't know. How, I, I don't. I mean, we're going to need emergency mental health, um, tents available in every in every city, because last time it happened, even in the town where I was, the town that where you can't say all lives matter, uh, there was there were uh, there were mental health emotional resources available for people in the schools, just in case your kids were damaged by uh, this election. And if they were, that's on you because you scared the hell out of them, and you were convinced that Donald Trump was some kind of Satan demon, and that f- because anybody who disagrees with you has to be evil, can't just be a disagreement, and you're, they're certainly not worth listening to. No, 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 no. But that's where we are now. Yeah, and so now what's happening as well is the media is now morphing, they're metamorphosizing into something different. So they're. They've now been weaponized, and they do it in all sorts of clever ways. We talked about, uh, I think it was NBC who, who went after, um, but not Buzzfeed, um, the Federalist, you know, by going to Google and saying, "Hey, we heard that you're funding this racist site. I hope you're not allowing them to, uh, to you know, earn profits using your technology because they're racist." And so NBC used this second. Other outside company to intimidate uh, to intimidate Google, and for a time Google dropped the the Federalist and then another another uh, website as well, and that one I don't think has ever been picked up. So they know how to do this now. The we the media has learned to weaponize itself, and it, it just happened again. This time to uh, a guy named Ben Howe who works for the Lincoln Project. This the Lincoln Project. They're, they're Republicans now. They're anti-Trump, and um, and they are hired guns, really, to go out and try to disparage Trump. But they're still Republicans, and they've taken company. You know, they've taken comfort, aid and comfort. The the folks at the Lincoln Project, with um with these progressives so the progressives know as as predators as a Schwarzenegger said predator if it bleeds we can kill it the progressives know that these guys that they can kill him now uh, career wise and so that's what happened and they did it in a very clever way using using the washington post and manufactured what it was supposed to look like in an organic story to snipe to um to pick off a Republican in this group. Now I'm going to bring in Alice Shattuck, Mrs. Shattuck, who brought this thing. She's my wife who brought this to my attention, and uh, she'll take it. She'll take us through it right now. All right, it is time for another visit from my betrothed, Alice Shattuck. Who I think
2: I'm more than betrothed. Are you more than betrothed? Isn't betrothed just engaged?
1: Is it really? I don't know. I don't so. have a. I'm lacking a formal education. I don't know. <laughs> well. um, I think it's. Uh, I think betrothed means married, for our. Okay. You know for. for well, we'll
2: let the listeners weigh in. If, I sent a new poll question. If
1: um if uh plantation means any slave held territory only, then betrothed means married, as far as I'm concerned. Alice, uh, what is going on today?
2: Um. So today. Um, I've been following the story of Ben Howe who I don't know if um, People know who that is But he kind of came of age in the conservative movement during the Tea Party movement against Obama, and he's kind of one of these original Tea Partiers. He's been a huge never-Trumper, a huge anti-Trumper, and he's now been part of the Lincoln Project, which is a group of ostensibly Republicans who've been publishing these little videos attacking Trump and saying how we need to vote for Joe Biden. So that's Rick
1: Wilson and uh, Steve Schmidt, MSNBC. Wilson used to run Rubio's campaign for about 10 minutes. And he's turned into a complete a-hole and a crude jerk who it, a couple of months ago was caught on CNN just laughing at dumb Trump voters and, and uh, you know p- pantomiming them or whatever he was doing. And, um, and later on, Internet Sluice found out that his wife had a cooler with a Confederate flag in the words, the South will rise again. Which uh, supposedly get some people canceled, canceled, but not a bottom feeder like him. I really hate him. I'm sorry. I know that that's <laughs> not supposed to say that, but I do. And Steve Schmidt, who just sold out to MSNBC. I understand. You know, there's a certain level of prostitution involved there that he's that he's dis, that he's you know um, act act. What the goddamn is the word word that he's exercising in that he's operating i don't know but oh but and so if somebody said to me hey by the way we'll give you 500 grand a year or 750 a year and you have to go be the trump hating uh person on msnbc i don't know that i'd do it immediately <laughs> and i would go through the motions of soul searching but especially <laughs> especially now after the our house was de i don't know i could wrap my mind around it i mean i almost sold all of my principles when i was uh, when Channel 2 served for me, Skinless Brie, you know, five years ago when I was on that show, which I was terrible at. Um, So, okay, let's focus, Tom. Go right ahead. Ben Howe. Okay, so he's a former GOP guy, never Trumper. He joins right. up with the Lincoln Project guys.
2: Right. So he's been with the Lincoln Project guys making their little videos. Well, so now um, the Washington Post has this story. Here's the headline. Lincoln Project video editor is out over crude tweets about female anatomy. He's Ooh. out over his crude tweets. So one wonders, you know, did the Lincoln Project just discover these crude tweets? You know, so you go. Well, th- what were the
1: tweets that were found?
2: So um, he apparently. I don't know. Am I allowed to say these words on your show? Uh,
1: yes, I can. I can bleep. You can them if bleep necessary. me later.
2: Okay. Yeah. So um, I can
1: bleep you later. Go ahead.
2: Um so here we go. He um he made a series of Twitter posts in the years after Trump's election that deployed female anatomy as an insult calling rivals a vagina or a twat oh. or in some instances using a more profane term. Okay. So uh it comes down here we go. Um in 2018 he wrote I want to be a feminist but every time I call someone a c- I get yelled oh. at. <laughs> Um, so that's not that long ago. That's 20, 20, that is 2018. A, I would
1: say that is a careless tweet. You know, I would <laughs> keep those a, under wraps.
2: That was um, in 2018, and in 2017, he tweeted. Um, he replied to a New York Times story about women being talked over and interrupted in the workplace by tweeting that that's only when they won't stop yapping about their period or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he's got away with words and i think he missed a
2: career in stand-up
1: undoubtedly a, um, away with the lady so sorry right, so he's kind of a pig and by the way we're reading a a copy from a renowned newspaper so Yes, this, this is the is,
2: washington post that is
1: not us who said those words By the way, that is the washington post printing those words Go ahead.
2: Um, this is the Washington Post, and and you're looking for, you know, where did they get this? How did, Where did this right. find? So so as it turns out, um, the Lincoln Project didn't discover this on their own since they've obviously known Ben Howe this long. Mm-hmm. I assume they knew he tweeted these things in 2018 and 2017 and just didn't care because they're very, very principled and were very shocked by the Access Hollywood tape. So yes. if they had noticed those tweets, I know that they would have kicked him right out of their group. But... Um, In any case, uh, they were uh, emailed by a non-profit news outlet called The 19th.
1: Oh, wow. Interesting. So a uh, third-party actor here unearthed this stuff. Tell me more about The 19th.
2: So The 19th, uh, it's not linked... Uh, in the Where it first appears in the article To what this thing is Because I, I had never heard of the 19th I don't know, I assume your listeners probably haven't either But when I got down to the bottom of the article Here on the Washington Post It says that this story which I thought was just a headline about the Lincoln Project firing somebody, that this was just a straight news story. It tells me that this story is part of a collaboration between the Washington Post and the 19th.
1: Oh, wait a second.
2: <laughs> so <Well>. so <laughs> this isn't actually just straight news reporting on somebody being fired from the Lincoln Project. This is a project where the 19th and the Washington Post teamed up to get somebody fired from the Lincoln Project.
1: Right, I see. So this is a kind of the social justice uh, arm of the Washington Post, the activist arm um, or project, whatever. They're a
2: they're a Mm nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, and on their website they they call themselves the Nineteenth Asterisk, because as they tell us in there about us, they want us to know that the Nineteenth Amendment is not finished. That women are still not fully enfranchised in America. Oh, I see. So their whole purpose in life is to report uh, through the lens of gender. Oh, good. They report at the intersection of gender, politics, and policy.
1: That's wonderful. That's one. Are they hiring? Really? Um, so so that's very interesting. So it says they're a non-profit newsroom. What was that first line in the, the description?
2: They're a non-profit, non-partisan newsroom reporting at the intersection right. of gender They're also reporting at the apology. intersection
1: of the Post's actual newsroom and a conference room <laughs> down the hall because it's just an arm of the Washington Post, an activist arm, an OPPO research arm that's Um, almost a a special forces unit that's sent out to go and blow people up.
2: Well, right, which I'm not actually opposed to activist journalism. I'm just opposed to activist journalism pretending that it's doing some kind of vital nonpartisan public service. I mean, there's the whole nonpartisan... Neutral media concept is a modern concept that really postdates the United States and our system of government and our freedom of speech laws. This was never the plan. You know, you had in the 18th century, you have Thomas Jefferson paying journalists quote unquote to write terrible things about John Adams including calling him hermaphroditical and other yes. offensive things you know so right the-
1: but but currently in in certainly in the last 50 years there has been a lot of currency in this idea that, that journalism is is non-biased reporting, certainly undergirded by Hollywood, all the president's men, that kind of thing. Well, and right. there's this high ideal, high-minded ideal.
2: Right. And journalists want to be viewed that way. That's the brave firefighters joke, right? Is that they're, they're there through rain and sleet and mm-hmm. snow and they run into the building when everybody else is running out to report on the important news. They're doing this vital service to the public, getting the facts out there. So then when you turn around and you use the word journalist for somebody who's really just an oppo research group, I'm also intrigued by the fact that they're calling themselves a nonprofit. I'm wondering what type of nonprofit they are and if they're, um, you know, getting it, that tax status to to do this to just get people fired from the Lincoln Project. But, right. I mean, no love lost on Ben Howe and the Lincoln Project, by the way. These are not really conservatives. They're funded almost entirely by wealthy Democrats. They've already stated that, Is that once... true? Yes. Yes, they're funded. National Review has a great expose on where their funding comes from. Millions and millions of dollars from Democrats. They use over 90% of their um, money on operational expenses paying their grifting people. And, you know, it's just Democrats paying people who they think maybe have a little more credibility with conservatives. Wow, what to...
1: dirtbags. That's fantastic. Right,
2: it's trashy. And they've already stated that once trump got, Trump's got trump gone, they have a hit list of a bunch of other Republicans yes. that they want to take out. They're, oh. So they're not at some point, I mean, like, if you're if you want to get rid of the Republican Party and you're being paid by Democrats, I don't get where it gets you to call yourselves Republicans. But, but they can be, they're fake Democrats all day long, but it's still not good enough. You're still going to get taken out by the Washington Post and their cute little non-profit, the 19th asterisk. So,
1: that is vicious. You know, they're one of the good guys and they got smitten down, brought down by uh the angry progressive um cyclops, you know. Right. So that's These zombies state- took them right down and that there's a very good lesson for you and that's why a lot of people feel like if joe biden is becomes president that that these people are going to just run roughshod because they can see easy targets and anybody who answers a phone and entertains these people they they can't get by like sebastian gorka is going to tell this group the 19th to go obviously, you know? Right. Yeah, but whereas, you know, John Podesta is going to have to take their phone call and listen to them.
2: they sense weakness, and that's the way a big part of this whole movement works, is that you don't get people who literally just don't care to sit around and examine their personal guilt over slavery all day, but you get the people that are already kind of on your side. That's who you have some traction with. I mean, you're not going to get... Like you said, Tucker Carlson is not going to read White Fragility and ponder how he's contributed to structural racism. He's just not. He doesn't care. Right. He's not going to listen to you. But you can get, you know, Schmidt to do it, probably. You can get Romney to do it. (laughs) You know, so once you give them an inch, once you say... Oh, yeah, you know, the Confederates were traitors. I can kind of see that. That makes sense. It's time to get rid of these statues. I don't care about Confederate statues remotely at all. You know, I'm on the other side of that one from Mm -hmm. the Confederates. I I didn't put them up and I don't care about them, but I don't want to sit here and entertain that because I know that the next thing will be getting me to... Reconsider George Washington and Abe Lincoln and all these other things.
1: Right, the whole thing's the French Revolution. It's the it's, it's more contemporary. It's the um, Iranian Revolution of 1979, where students overthrew the the government, and and you know the, the with these extremists and. The thing is, is that it, we saw it happen in the New York Times newsroom, where they they whacked the editorial page editor. They sent his other guy over to the, his assistant to live on Elba or something, and a couple of heads rolled. And you know, the rest of the the inmates then essentially bullied and threatened the hell out of a coworker, Barry Weiss, and she just bolted today or or yesterday. So uh, this is complete uh, mob mentality. I'm happy to see the one of the lincoln project people get um get uh, cannibalized i think that's fantastic um but you
2: know maybe he'll come back and see the light again i don't know well, maybe he'll realize who he's helping here i don't but-
1: need a, i don't need every conservative to be anti- uh, pro trump i just uh, need them not to be villainous bottom feeding dirt bags and that's what that group is i mean god what an what a bunch of unfun human beings that is Well, thank you very much for that update. Anything else going on? Oh, by the way, I don't know if you heard this, but today I was in the Jerry Callahan podcast, and uh, I had an issue with my general appearance. (laughs) I looked, um, I looked just fairly banged up, and my hair, which has not been cut in many months now, is every strand is independently is independent is independent thinker. So, um, so um, one person suggested on social media, I had to wear this uh, the pork pie hat. This hat actually. Your it's not a good look hat. but but I don't it's but it's a joke reporter had somebody gave me but so I, I looked um I didn't look good, but somebody said that I looked like I was that they had picked me up off of Melnia Cast Boulevard and and fed me ripple, which I believe is fortified wine or something. I and- thought
2: Ripple was um pea milk. But is it? Allergy moms use it. Really? Yeah, because it's made of pea protein.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh Jesus, it's this just is like this like got dark. The- That's terrible. <laughs>
2: It's just like in the almond milk section. Okay,
1: of the store. so I don't know what's worse than, but anyway, I don't it, was, know what is- it was very hurtful, and then the other guy said, um, "said accused me of having eaten Alex Reamer," which was <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but it's um, which was I believe um, a targeted attack at my weight. I think, even though I've been walking five miles per day, so for about twenty since I've been doing the prod- podcast, I think so for about twenty six days I've been walking five miles. Mm-hmm. And um, so I must be thin. Just the the mathematics tell you. You're a mathematics and statistics major, right. right?
2: It's so. There's two pieces to the equation. There's yeah, calories yeah. in and calories yeah. out. So it sounds like you're doing really well on calories out. Correct,
1: so and that's the end of the story.
2: How's, <laughs> how's calories in doing? Consistent. <laughs> consistently right. what
1: so do you have something to say in defense of your husband to those people castigating me and tearing me asunder on social media
2: well i think you're very cute
1: thank you thank you and you can be uh and people would say other than ben how would say that you're a uh an attractive person right oh you don't have to answer that but it's probably distasteful Um, so there you go so all you haters uh, listen to the Jerry Callahan podcast you know what maybe it's
2: time we educate your listeners maybe next time I come on I should um, bring some of the things I've been starting to follow a lot of um, educate
1: my listeners what is that supposed to mean well
2: well, about fat activism because (laughs) I've been on Twitter following some people who are um, uh, activists about um, you know Straight-sized people privilege, which is um, what you call, I guess it's what fat activists call skinny people, is straight-sized people.
1: I like that. Straight-sized. You're a straight-sized person. I like <laughs> a that. I'm
2: straight-sized person. So, um, you know, we can and what say that like people, people who to- are living in larger bodies—
1: is that what my people call themselves? I think so. <laughs> I, I like that. I have to
2: look, so I can. You know what? For next time, I can gather up some of my resources that I've been learning more about fat activism mm-hmm. and um, how fat phobia is tied to white supremacy in America. Oh, um,
1: do I get to paint something on the on the street? Um, a slogan?
2: Well, not yet. We're not quite there yet, but you know, I think I think that with this emergent movement, we should.
1: I get to topple something. I hope. <laughs> oh,
2: I, all
3: the I
1: statues so. themselves are triggering. It's, there's rarely, other than Buddha, there's no fat statues around.
2: You know, maybe it's time for a Tom Shattuck statue right in downtown Lowell.
1: I like that very much. I like that very much. There's a Shattuck street in Lowell. It could be mm-hmm. doubly useful. Although that's probably named after a skinnier Shattuck. I'm on a, I'm a weird tangent, weird part of the family tree where we're all fats. Or at least... Uh,
2: I don't think it's genetic. I don't.
1: Yeah, it is genetic. I, <laughs> I don't do it. it's think not it's behavior. Genetic. It's not behavior. I don't think it's genetic whatsoever. Alice Shaddock, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining again. Tomorrow, I will be. I think I'm talking to Larry Elder tomorrow, and another woman who is, uh, and a woman who's uh, running for Congress, but a very, it's got a very interesting story. All right, see you in a bit.